0: Today's scripture reading is 1 John 3:14 through 19. We know we have left death and have come into life because we love each other. Whoever does not love is still dead. Everyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderers have eternal life in them. This is how we know what real love is. Jesus came his life for us. Gave his life for us so we could live, so we should live our lives for our brothers and sisters. Suppose someone has enough to live and sees a brother or sister in need, but does not help, then God's love is not living in that person. My children, we should have love, we should love people not only with words and talk, but by our actions and true caring. This is the way we know that we belong to the way of truth. We're in the middle of a sermon series a study of our mission statement here at this church. It's the sentence you see on the screen. It's what you see on the bulletin board out there at the Welcome Center. It's, you see it on our webpage. The function of that statement is to remind us of what we're all about as a congregation. And this is what we're all about. We exist to lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. Doesn't that sound pretty? See, here's the thing about mission statements. They can be nothing more than well-worded decorations on a church wall, words on stationery, words on a website, or they can be constant reminders about what's really important to this church. Now, here's another thing about mission statements. Without definite intentional steps to accomplish that goal, words on the wall are all they will ever be. So what are our steps? Let's go to the next slide. Nope, Back up one. There's not another one in between there.. <laughs> This is all my fault, y'all. I'm about to give up on the technical end of the world. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Notice how God comes through when you say it's all my fault. (laughs) Here's how we intend to accomplish. How are we going to lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus Christ? Through loving God, through loving our neighbors, and through living life to the full. Now, last Sunday, Jimmy elaborated more on what it means to love God. Today and tomorrow, or next Sunday, Ricky and I will be emphasizing loving our neighbor. And then Jimmy will be back from a much deserved vacation to emphasize living life to the full. My topic, loving our neighbor, I kind of think I drew the easy straw. Who's going to argue with that? Who's going to say no? I don't think we have to love our neighbor, or I don't think it's a good idea. Who's not in favor of love? I've never seen or attended a church where there was a stated goal to hate your neighbor. I don't know anybody who disagrees with the idea of loving our neighbor We value love universally. We write poems about it. We make movies about it. We dream about it. We sing about it. All you need is love. So say the Beatles. Hey, they didn't come up with that that on their own. Jesus said, Jesus didn't say this part, but you don't listen to this part. Next slide, please. There it is. Jesus said the greatest commandments are to love. And to love. To love God. To love your neighbor. Okay. I feel like y'all are in agreement with me. Loving your neighbor is a good thing. So, we can just go home now, right? You wish. See, the more difficult question becomes, what does love your neighbor look like? What does it sound like? And while we're at it, who's my neighbor anyway? I want to deal with that first question today. What does love your neighbor look like? If you Google the phrase, I love, you'll get all kinds of images. Let's look at one of them. I love my mom. These are good ones. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my dad. I, I stuck this one in there for me. I love my granddad. Some people take it to a higher level. Go to the next slide. I love God. I love Jesus. I love my neighbor. They must have heard this sermon. I love my church. And at first you get the impression we save that word love for the things that are most important to us, don't we? Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I love salt. These are all S words, by the way. I love salsa, shopping, sardines, and salt. We're using the same word that we use to describe the things that are near and dear to us. We find people using the same language to describe how they feel about pizza, P.E., zombies, food, nerds, and chihuahuas. What do we mean by I love? Well, I want to turn to 1 John 3 today because it gives some insights into what the Bible means by loving your neighbor. In verse 11, he restates their mission statement. John says, this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That's their mission statement. And then he describes what that does look like what it doesn't look like verse 12 do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother now you know the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4 when Cain killed his brother and John gives us an inspired glimpse into Cain's motivation verse 12 why did he murder him Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. See, Cain was angry with his brother because his brother did what was right and he did not. Resentment and animosity set in and led to murder, hatred. I think the point he's making is the product of anger and envy sometimes is murder, it's almost always hatred disgust despite toward other people. Cain shows us what love is not. Now, we're going to jump down to verse 16 because then he points to Jesus to see what love is and how it acts. This is how we know what love is. This is the example we have of love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives For our brothers and sisters, the way of anger, of envy, Cain's way, takes life. The way of love, Jesus' way, gives life. Jesus gave his life. He laid down his life. Now, I want to go to verse 14 now. We're jumping around a little, but I'm trying to make sense of this. How do you know if you love your neighbor or if you just have that as a motto on your wall hanging up somewhere at home right next to your church directory picture up on the wall? How do you know? We know we've passed from death to life. Because we love each other, anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother Or, sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. A real sign that we're maturing and learning to love our neighbor as God wants us to is our habitual thinking patterns change from angry and hateful and envious to kind and caring. But you and I are probably not likely to murder anyone. That's a pretty extreme example. And we probably won't have to be nailed to a cross to lay down our life for Jesus. So John kind of simples it down for folks like me. He says, if anyone has material possessions, this is the way we lay down our life. If anyone has material possessions... And sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them? How can the love of God be in that person? And then the next verse says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us not love with words or speech. He's not saying don't tell people you love them. He's saying prove it by what you do as much as by what you say. The the contemporary English version translates that line: um, "We show love for others by helping them, not by talking about it." The message says, "Let's not just talk about love; let's practice it." I guess, I guess, if there was a Nike version out there, it would say, "Just do it." Love is more than a slogan on a wall. It's more than sweet-sounding phrases. It's, a, it's action. Why are, we, why are we taking up diapers? Because there's an organization in this town that needs 5,000 diapers a month. 3,000 wipes a month. Now, I don't know why the number of wipes doesn't equal the number of diapers. I really don't. <laughs> that doesn't seem right to me. I'm just going with the figures they give us. And they're trying to help people who Choose to have a child rather than abort it. You know, it's one thing to say I'm against abortion and scream loud and long about what a horrible thing it is. It's a whole nother thing to offer an alternative. Along with that alternative, if you just say, well, here, I'll, I'll, help, I'll help you have the baby. Now you're on your own. That's no good either. So this organization helps educate parents individual counseling, couple counseling, parenting counseling. They even try to teach financial responsibility by reward points that are given to these parents that they can use then to purchase more diapers and more wipes and bottles and, and the things you need for babies. What are we doing? We're loving other people with the ultimate goal of leading them into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus Christ. That's just one of the things we do. I'm not going to take the time to, to go through the many other things we do. Oh, it's one thing to say I love my neighbor. It's another thing to actually rise up and do something. Okay, who do I rise up and help? Let's, let's, I don't even know where this verse is. Go to the next slide and see what happens. 17. Who do you help? If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Let's turn it around. Who do you help? The person in need that you see. Yeah, there's, there's an awful lot of folks out there. We can't help because we can't get to them. But what about the person we see? Who's in need? And we have some means to help them. Or we could spend it all on ourselves. But instead we choose to help them. Who do we help? When do we help? We help the person we see in need. When we have the means to do so. Some have more means than others. Basically he's saying, look at folks around you. Who are in need, have some compassion and act. Talk without love is empty without actions. Words without love won't fill a hungry stomach. They won't put clothes on children's backs. They won't provide go bags for kids who are in temporary shelters because they need a safe place to go. He means back up our talk with action. Loving in truth means genuine love acts. So we talk about love. We sing about love. We preach about love. But we're not like Jesus till we put our words into action. Another Bible writer, I don't, I don't have this slide up there, but it's James chapter 2, 15 and 16. says, suppose a sister or brother is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. That's another way of saying, I'll pray for you. Keep warm and fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is that? We can respond to this passage in a number of ways. One, we can just ignore it. Lots of churches do. Or we can leave it to other people to fix it. Or we can limit our circle of acquaintances to folks that we know they're never going to really need anything anyway. Or we can have eyes that see with compassion and hands that help with generosity. (laughs) There was this young preacher. He had been preaching about two years and he had to do a sermon on love. Well, he did what all preachers do he went to his files. Back in my days, that was in a cabinet with drawers and little manila folders. Today, it's on a computer. But he went to his love file, and he discovered he didn't have one. Impossible. He thought, it must be misfiled, So he searched all through these, searched from faith to fasting and between healing and heaven. And maybe it was sandwiched down there somewhere between Christiology and Christian education. I mean, they all have to do with love, don't they? But it wasn't there. And it wasn't found anywhere in between money and missions. And then it dawned on him: the love file was scattered, it wasn't misfiled. Parts of it were found under patience, parts under kindness, parts under humility, parts under trust, others under hope, loyalty, perseverance. But he found that the greatest, the greatest part of the love file was buried squarely in his his little folder, marked benevolent. That fancy word we use down at church that describes a heart that says, I will use what I can to help whomever I can, when I can. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Let us not love with words or speech, but in action and in truth. Let's pray. Father, you have given us so much. We're so richly blessed. Help us not to be whiners about what we don't have. But to be thankful for what we do have. Help us to have such a deep concern for each other that we can tolerate. Tolerate each other when it's not that easy to do. Help us to have such a deep concern for each other that we try to accommodate others in every way we can. To help them in their own journey. May none of us be so arrogant or so proud as to think it's their job to do it for us. But it's our job to do it for them. We ask your blessings on the Pregnancy Resource Center and the work they try to do to save unborn lives and educate and teach parents to bring their children up to be responsible adults who can walk on their own two feet in a society that doesn't seem to know right from wrong anymore. Help us to be all we can be to help them accomplish that goal. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this had not been the kind of sermon designed to get you to come down the aisle, but we are going to sing a song. Uh, What's the song, Ricky? I don't even know. Ricky's singing this song. Y'all know this song? My wife and I had this song at our wedding. We really did when we walked out. We had everybody sing that. Almost nobody there knew it either. (laughs) But it's a wonderful song. By loving one another, we can restore the unity God intends among his people and in his creation.